you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stort Show. Let's go. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Andy Stort Show, a place where we can come together to starve our fears, follow our dreams, and really fulfill our true potential. This show is not about sitting back, passively watching life go by. This show is about living life intentionally, grabbing the bulls by the horns, or the bull by the horns, I should say, and really getting the absolute most out of life. It's about sharing stories and advice and wisdom and experience and learning as much as we can every single day and helping each other all along the way. And today I've got a special interview for you. It is an interview with my new friend, Helen Packham. And Helen is someone I met at the Youpreneur Summit in London a few weeks ago. And Helen is an author, a speaker, and a coach. I was really struck by her story because she had done some of the things that we talk about a lot on this show, which is really to get moved past fear very courageously. And you'll hear in her story how she had spiraled to a situation where she had basically hit rock bottom uh, in her career and her life and was able to pull herself out using personal development and different tools and really start to starve her fears and follow her dreams, put them on a vision board and follow the dreams that she wanted to achieve. And it actually is so extreme that at one point near the bottom, she said she would never get up and speak in front of people again. And two years later or several months later, she found herself giving a TED Talk in front of 1,500 people. And she now coaches and helps entrepreneurs and other professionals on building a personal brand, on becoming an expert in their field, and also getting on the stage to get more business. It really is quite an amazing story of courage and willpower and really turning life around and becoming the person that she wanted to be. And I hope that it is inspirational to all of you as it has been inspirational to me. And if you're interested in uh, finding out more about Helen, of course, you can look her up on LinkedIn. And she also has a website, HelenPackham.com. And you can find her on Facebook. She has a great group on there called the Courageous Leaders Club, which is a very active group for people who are building their expertise and personal brand and want to get on more stages. Highly recommend that you check that out. And so now, without further ado, I take you to my interview with Helen Packham. Hey, Helen, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Andy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so good to have you on, uh, coming in from across the pond in the UK. This is really cool because we met a few weeks ago at the Youpreneur Summit, uh, which Chris Ducker put on in London. And I took a chance to fly over there for the conference, which was all about uh, entrepreneurship and building a brand, personal brand. And uh, I'd been intrigued by his books and his podcasts. And then decided to take the trip over there not knowing anyone. And I went to the happy hour on the first night and I met you and you introduced me to a whole bunch of your friends. You know, I always, one of my philosophies on 
going to events is find the connected people. And so to me, you were the most connected person in the room. And you helped me make so many more friends at that conference that I was able to go back to and check in with throughout the next three days. So uh, I wanted to say thank you for that. You really helped me uh, as I arrived in London there, all not knowing anyone. That was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it was so good. But we also we also hit it off because we had uh, much in common in our stories and how we were building a brand and getting into coaching and speaking and, and writing and helping other people. Um, we both had come from kind of a talent development background, both uh, raising kids and, and that being really important to us as well. And uh, I was really intrigued by your story and you know the things you've overcome and what you're doing now and how you're helping people really build authority, get on stages, um, both literal and figurative. And I've heard you on other podcasts. And uh, I was excited to bring that to my listeners today. Thank you. It's, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, really cool. So let's start with a little bit of your background. You know, Tell me some of your origin story and how you got to where you are today. Okay. So I was one of those lucky people that kind of found my calling straight out of college. I uh, did my A-levels, which in the UK, that's what they're called. And then uh, when I was 18 and I was going to take a year out before going to university, I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be uh, treading the boards and on the telly and I was taking a year out and then I was going to go to theatre school. And then I got a job at Virgin Atlantic Airways and it was so cool. It was like the best company to get a job at when I was 18 because it was so forward thinking. Richard Branson was incredibly forward thinking and he had implemented this coaching department. And at the time, back in like 1999, there wasn't really many, I hadn't heard of coaching within organizations that much. It was a new thing. And he had a full-blown department and I saw that job and I wanted that job. And so um, it took me several attempts to actually get it. But once I, I got in, there was no stopping me. And I really, really loved it. And I started coaching the people within the call center to you know, raise the standards of customer service. And I became certified quite early on as a coach. And um, what I realized was that actually with the coaching came training. So I started training new hires, people coming into the organization. And I realized that actually standing up in front of a, a room full of people was kind of similar to acting, but I could get a regular paycheck for it. And so I decided to stick with that career and climb the ladder. So quickly, I discovered that I really enjoyed training leaders. So managers, um, frontline staff managers at the time and training them to help motivate and engage their people and lead their people. And that really kind of became my niche within learning and development. And um, I kind of specialized within uh, the business psychology element of it and got certified in using psychometric tools and started coaching more senior, coaching and training more senior leaders. And there's a qualification in the UK called the ILM. It's the Institute of Leadership and Management. And I got accredited to deliver those certificates and in, in executive coaching and management and those sorts of things. And for a few years, that's what I did. And I absolutely loved it. Loved seeing the progress in people. Uh, loved seeing them, you know, go to the next level of their capabilities. And it gradually got more and more senior. And I ended up, before I went on maternity leave, to have my daughter in charge of the learning and development strategy for a business division of about 3,000 people, coaching the executive directors and their teams and training them. And it was awesome. It was, I absolutely loved it. And it was brilliant. And I trotted off on my maternity leave thinking, yeah, I'm coming back in a year's time. It'll be fine. Everything. I'll just come back as I, as I went. It'll be absolutely fine. And of course, that wasn't the case because I gave birth to my daughter and 
I just was not expecting parenthood to be like that. It was uh, completely different than I expected. Uh, she did have health issues that were undiagnosed for a year. So she was very unhappy and she didn't sleep and she was very, very grumpy for a, for a whole year and nobody could tell us what was wrong with her. And we tried everything and at a year old, um, we found out that she had reflux disease, um, which wasn't presenting itself like, you know, obviously, and she had a cow's milk allergy. So as soon as we got on her medication and the right diet, things just got better. But in that time, I became very, very, very anxious because I didn't sleep and because I was someone that kind of liked to be in control. All of a sudden, I wasn't and I couldn't predict how she'd act and it did freak me out. I got diagnosed with an anxiety disorder and became a different version of, of me. I lost myself completely. The confident, ambitious career woman became a kind of dribbling mess <laughs> and I lost my identity. And with that kind of any sense of self-worth really and self-belief and self-knowing. So when it came to go back, I felt like an imposter and I went straight back into a role, you know, dealing with these executive directors still 32 at the time and um, they were all you know a lot older than me and mostly men and I found it really intimidating and all of a sudden I felt like I didn't belong and I wasn't worthy of that role and it showed in my behavior and I don't know if you've heard of the Gollum effect so we've got the the Pygmalion effect where you have Pygmalion effect is you have positive beliefs about yourself and so therefore you behave in a positive way that gets reflected to other people and then they reflect that back to you it's like a cycle but the Gollum effect is the opposite of that. It's where we have negative beliefs about ourselves. We act, therefore, in that way. That gets reflected back to others. And then they reflect that back to us. And that's exactly what happened to me. I thought I was rubbish. So my performance was rubbish. My boss saw that. And then she reflected that back to me in my performance review after a year of being back in my role in a crowded restaurant. Great place to have a performance review. And um, it wasn't good. It really wasn't good. The Gollum effect was in, you know, full, full flow. Right. Self, Self-fulfilling prophecy. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. It was like a, a crunch point. All of my thoughts about myself were confirmed and I had a huge panic attack and I literally just ran out of the building into the center of London and just sort of crouched. I remember crouching down this old phone box that, you know, they don't use, we don't use phone boxes anymore. And just thinking, what the hell, what the hell has happened? Like, I've lost it. I've lost it all. I can't do it anymore. And so I literally ran home. <laughs> I ran, got on the train, went home and I left. I left it all. And at the time, I thought <laughs> I thought it was because I was moving towards something else. But actually at the time I wasn't. I was just moving away from what I thought I wasn't good at anymore, that I'd lost it in motherhood. And that was it. So I made a vow that I would never, ever, ever stand up in front of a room full of people ever again. It just wasn't something I could do anymore. The thought of it made me physically sick. I just couldn't do it. And I literally kind of diminished. Yeah. I mean, I could just see you like you're, you're all these things are happening. You've got these negative beliefs and limiting beliefs and negative feelings about yourself. They're being reinforced by the performance review you're getting at work. The anxiety is building. You don't have the confidence anymore to get in front of those people. So you run away thinking you, you're trying to go towards something else. And you say to yourself that you're, you're never going to get up in front of any group of people ever again. And that felt good to say that because it was like safety. You know, it yeah. was like, so my world became incredibly small, very, very small. I, um, I just stayed very close to home. 
I didn't do anything really. I became kind of addicted to Netflix. I numbed out a lot by watching like just so many box sets of things on Netflix and eating a load of rubbish and not really seeing my friends and really isolating myself because it felt safe to do that. And I remember I had opportunities come my way to to do training or, you know, workshops and I just turned them all down. I passed them on to other people because I just couldn't do it anymore. I did launch a business. I retrained because I thought I can't, I can't do that. I can't do leadership and learning development anymore. I've got to do something else. So I retrained as a parent coach and trained in child sleep consulting because of the what I've been through with my daughter. I was passionate about health, helping other parents, but of course, that wasn't my vocation. It wasn't, it really wasn't. Yes, it was coaching, but it was a completely different kettle of fish when you're dealing with parents who are very tired and uh, you're trying to help them. It's, it's not really coaching and it was more of a counseling type of role. I'm not qualified as a counselor, I'm certified as a coach. So it really, that business was like I was building a house on sand because I had no clue who I was. Just had no clue. It had a massive impact on my marriage because I, I was anchoring happiness outside of myself. I was becoming very codependent in the relationship and investing all of my energy and all of my thoughts outside into my children, into my husband, and not focusing on myself and healing myself and working out who I was. And um, after my second child was born, my son, um, who also had health issues, which were even worse, <laughs> things just came to a, a massive head and um, my marriage broke down. And uh, my husband moved out when my son was just a few weeks old and uh, my daughter was three. And there was a moment because I'd been numbing it all out for such a long time. Like it was, I'd been really, really got, got really good at doing that. Suddenly, all of a sudden, the numbing strategies just didn't work anymore. So the Netflix and the coffee and walnut cake and, you know, all the things like that, they stopped working and the feelings were just too loud. And so I had to make a decision. And it was one night. I remember it very, very clearly because there was, you know, obviously my husband had moved out and his stuff had gone. And I was looking at the places that were where his stuff had been. I had a decision to make and I thought, right, I can carry on like this living in a very small existence, not speaking to my friends, not going out, not doing anything, not living a happy or fulfilled life, or I can face this and deal with it. And that's what I did. I chose to do that. And that was two and a half years ago. And it started a journey which um, has involved a lot of reconnecting with myself and my identity and who I am and my needs and my values, looking at those beliefs that really weren't serving me and rewiring them. And all of a sudden, I realized that courage, which was it was a painful word to me, it was a, not a word I associated with myself at all, even in my career, became suddenly the, the driving force behind everything I did. So you were, it almost sounds like you, you hit bottom there emotionally and and being so afraid of everything and and now your husband has moved out and you've overcome these these issues with your children and you've run away from the career and I'm get a lot of people listening and probably I can identify with that you know they've, they've run into problems different challenges and and have kind of curled up in a ball for at least a period of time right if not for a long period of time but a lot of people don't get out of that like how did you make that turn was there some something that happened or some type of turning point 
that caused you to say like, yes, all these things are scary and they are hard, but I have to start facing them and doing the right things? Mm, It was actually, it was, my husband and I started to go through marriage counseling and the, it was two things that the marriage counselor said. And he said, I remember when he said, you're doing this the wrong way, Helen. Don't go out, go deeper. And I was like, what? And when he said that again, it just really struck a chord in what I was doing, that I was searching outside of myself constantly for the answer, for the solution, for the distraction, and that I needed to go inside myself to find the answer. So that was one thing. And then the other thing that he said to me was, you have so much more potential than than the existence you're acting at at the moment. And I think that there is, you know, there's a different future for you. And it was the first time I actually thought, could that be possible? And I just, it was almost like a little hook that I started, a little corridor that I started to walk down to explore, to test out. And I tested it out with some other people and I spoke to some other people and then I started doing the research and then, and then I met a coach and then it just kind of snowballed and I just got so fully immersed in my own personal development and that path and really, really going deeper rather than going outside myself. Yeah. So you went from depths of despair, lying on the couch, vowing to never talk to anyone again, or at least stand up in front of a group again, to ending up on a TED stage uh, there where you live in, in Brighton. So tell me, how, how did you get to that point? Because obviously you're making a change here. You're making a turnaround, uh, realizing that you do have a lot of potential that you are not fulfilling at this point. Um, but it's a long way from there to getting up in front of, I don't, would you say it was 250 people or something at that? 1,500. 1,500. Okay. So yeah, tell me that story. So um, I think it was a couple of months in to this journey. I had been on a course. I was doing like a self-study course. I was going through marriage counseling and I started to build a vision board. And um, I was getting really, really clear on my goals and what was possible for me. And I was really working on what was possible and visualizing things that I had never thought possible before. And I, I said to myself, you know, the vow that I made, I knew wasn't true. I knew that that belief that I had about myself wasn't true. And so I had to prove to myself that that belief wasn't true, that I hadn't lost anything. And the affirmation that I created was, so the old belief was, I don't know anything anymore. And the new belief, the the affirmation was, I have everything within me to be mighty and successful. And I used to chant, I like literally used to just like chant that over and over again every day. And so when I put this vision board together, I was like, okay, well, what's what's the biggest way that I can prove to myself that I haven't lost it all, that I can hold a room, I can share a message? Well, it's got to be Ted, hasn't it? Because the biggest speaking organization in the world. It's all about ideas worth spreading. Huh, why not? So I put it on there and it was literally right in the middle of the vision board or, you know, all the things around the outside, like doing yoga and writing a book and going to Disneyland and, you know, all this sort of thing. And it was in the middle. And every day when I walked past it, I saw it. And because the old reticular activation system seeks out what you're focusing on and all of that sort of stuff, I started to turn myself switch myself onto opportunities. And then I found that there was an opportunity and it was in Brighton. And the theme of the event was called We Could Be Heroes. It's how people in everyday lives and situations use their stories to help others. And I thought, wow, maybe I've got something here. And so I just sent an email, just sent an email. And um, 
obviously didn't get a reply. So by that point, my tenacity had kicked in and uh, I was like a dog with a bone and I, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to let it go. So I stalked all the organizers and uh, found friends of friends on LinkedIn who were connected to these people and asked them to put in good words for me. I literally tried absolutely everything. And eventually I got in front of the right person, but he told me that they were full, that that was it, you know, maybe next year, go away. And I was like, okay. But then it was two days before the actual event, I got a call saying, somebody's dropped out. We want to consider you, but we've got to put it to a committee vote. We'll be in touch. And they didn't, they didn't get back to me until 24 hours before the event when I got a call to say, you're in, come oh, down, man. let's have a practice. And you're on tomorrow, 1,500 people. Oh, hang on a minute. I haven't stood up in, what, four years. It's the first time I'm standing up in front of a room full of people. And that's going to be it. That's going to be the moment. And so because I didn't have much time, it was actually quite a good thing because I literally, I pulled on all of my, my experience of doing some, pulling a, a talk together um, in that time frame, And I did it. It wasn't the best delivery. Um, I, there were stumbles, there were trips, but I, I did it. And um, looking back on it now, the warmth and the appreciation and the applause that I got was just like I'd been visualizing it all those months ago when I looked at that vision board every day. And that to me was the validation that I could achieve anything that I wanted to achieve. And since then, things have just gone, but it was a real turning point. Yeah, that's so awesome. It's fantastic. I love the idea of putting it on the vision boards, passing it every day, using the affirmation, building that confidence and reminding yourself all the time that, hey, this is my goal. This is what I'm going towards and not letting yourself forget about it. And then the tenacity to say, okay, I'm going to reach out to these people. Now I'm going to you know, make the connections. I'm going to track people down. I'm going to get an introduction. I'm going to find the right person. And then being ready to go when they call you with 24 hours notice, which sounds crazy and even scarier. Um, because you don't have a lot of time to prepare. But you know, the flip side I'm thinking about is you know, one of the things I talk about on the show is starving your fears and you know, looking at and, and courage really being not the absence of fear, but looking at fear and taking the action you need or want to take anyway. Right. And that almost gave you less time to worry about it. Like if you had three weeks or three months to prepare, you'd be nervously worrying about it every day, changing your speech, changing what you're gonna do, you know, scratching things out, and it almost would be harder. Absolutely. You know, because I had such a short amount, amount of time, well, I was petrified, obviously, but I just didn't have the time to think about it too much. And I was second to last on. So um, TEDx events, it's all day speakers. I was second to last on. And the last guy that was on, you may not know him. He's a famous guy in the UK. He's in a famous band. And he was, he was after me. And um, I just remember sitting in the audience all day like drowning in fear because all of these speakers were so amazing and so incredible. And I'm thinking, well, who am I? And all the old beliefs kicked in. And I had to go backstage 15 minutes before my talk and get mic'd up. That was a real opportunity for me to just get myself together. And I used a power pose, Amy Cuddy and her amazing power poses. So I did that. And then I recited, I just said the word power over and over again. Yeah, I did the Wonder Woman. And I just said, like uh, Veronica Morningstone or Corningstone from Anchorman, I just said, power, 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 like over and over again. And it worked. It really did work. And uh, the sound guy thought I was mad, but it worked. And I literally downed a glass of water and then just went out. And then all the nerves just like melted away. 
And that really, really helped me. So I highly recommend power posing for anybody who gets scared before talks. Yeah, I love that. I remember that from time to time. We'll take the power pose before an important meeting or a presentation. I learned uh, when I went to UPW, the Tony Robbins event, they told us on day one, from now on, anytime you walk through a doorway, you walk in like you're the greatest thing to ever happen to the people that, you know, with your arms up, look <laughs> at me. And, uh, you know, it feels silly, but it really does build that confidence. It makes you feel better because Tricks your, you. your mind goes where your focus is, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's why the All Blacks do their dance, uh, the rugby dance. It's not to intimidate the other team. It's to make them, it's to trick them into feeling more confident because our physiology affects on how we feel. So yeah. yeah, there's some real science behind it. So you overcame a lot of fear and, and limiting beliefs to, to get out there and to get up on that stage. And I, I love all the, the tools that you used along the way. Uh, and it sounds like that's made a huge difference for you in your life and now you're helping other people so where has your life and business gone since then oh i just did not predict that it would take the turn it did well what happened was so before the ted talk i had launched a new business so with the newfound confidence i had launched a new business it was utilizing the skills from my corporate career but not like 100 percent. it was i was still a bit cloudy i was helping mums build businesses but i wasn't fully utilizing my skills and then after that people kept on contacting me and saying helen how did you do that you actually managed to deliver an okay talk like what skills have you got? like where did you get that from and i was like okay well maybe i've got something that i can pull on that i can transfer over and so i literally did that i I took all of my training in storytelling and in presentations and engaging people in, you know, in leadership development. And I put it on my first speaker program and people really liked it and they, they wanted to attend and it went really well. And so from there, I started to really hone in on the things that I'd really excelled at in my corporate career, such as training the talented individuals within the organization to become thought leaders and what that meant and how they could stand out with their ideas, how they could get recognized as experts internally within an organization, and then how, you know, therefore an entrepreneur can get recognized as an expert. And it's just, it was the same stuff. So I started to really develop that and I started to really hone some programs. And so I developed two programs, two signature programs. One is a speaker program and one is an entrepreneurial leadership program. It's all about how to stand out as a leader in your field. Um, my one-to-one coaching really kind of took off and it started to get more in, in this sort of area, building relationships with influencers, like networking, getting recognized as an authority. And I just started to coach more and more people on things like TEDx talks and that type of thing. And it just kind of went that way. And I honestly didn't predict that it would happen, but because it was what people needed and clearly it was where my expertise lay, I kind of just let it happen. And the biggest thing, I guess, the sort of biggest achievement so far was this year, I actually put on my first conference. And that was just awesome because not only could I deliver the, the keynote, but I, got, I was able to become a curator. And I realized that actually I really love curating and bringing a theme together and, you know, bringing speakers together around a theme and, and telling a story. And it, it went really, really well. And so that's going to be an annual thing now. So, yeah, it's just I couldn't have imagined it. Two and a half years ago, you said I'd be doing this. No. Yeah, the girl who vowed to never stand up in front of a group of people again, not only speaks, uh, gives a TED Talk in front of 1500, but now coaches others on how to get TED Talks and other 
speaking engagements and build your brand and authority and become an expert as an entrepreneur. It's, it's uh, such a fantastic turnaround. And I'm sure that I have listeners listening, or at least I'm listening and thinking, okay, well, how do I do this? How do I get on a TED stage? How do I get more speaking engagements? How do I be seen as more of an expert in my field? Uh, what's some of the advice that you give to people that are starting to think about that? And it could even also include, how do I get over the fear of getting up in front of a group of people to give that talk? I guess the first thing is get clear on your speaker goals, hashtag speaker goals, because it really does depend on why you want to become a speaker. You know, if you're a entrepreneur, you are your brand, there are many, many benefits to doing it. Of course, it's great for your own visibility, the connection that you can create when you stand up in front of a room full of people. I mean, I've signed clients from every speaking gig that I've delivered and not through pitching either, just standing up and speaking. And people connect with you on such a deep level that they instantly trust you and they know if they want to work with you or not. So there's real power in that. But that has to be a goal. You have to be clear, you know, do I want to become a speaker to get more clients? Or do I want to become a speaker to raise my my authority? Do I want to become a speaker to share my story and make an impact with my story? You might have a story that you want to share and it doesn't have to be a grand tale. Mine is an ordinary tale. Mine is it's not crazy unique or anything like that but you might have a powerful message to say. So first of all, get clear on your goals because that will then determine the types of gigs that you go for and the types of gigs you want to go for. Let's use TEDx as an example. So with TEDx, you don't get paid for a TEDx gig. So it's not a paid thing, but the benefit comes from one, the impact that you can create through having an idea worth spreading. And that's what it's all about. And two, the visibility that you get from that because that talk will go on YouTube. And I mean, I can't remember how many, I think it's like 12 million subscribers to TED. And that goes on that YouTube channel. So your video goes on that YouTube channel. And you know, you have the potential to re- reach many, many, many people with that message. And so that's something to consider. So with TEDx, it's not going to be that you're going to be paid for it, but it's the benefits of, of doing it. Of also the other thing with TEDx is it's not something that you would directly associate with your business. I mean, it's very rare that people actually come onto TEDx and talk about something as, as low kind of level as a business related topic. It's something that it's going to be a topic that lots of people can relate to. So have a think about that if you are wanting to get a TEDx. And, um, you know, if you're a Facebook ads expert, you're not going to be delivering a talk on Facebook ads, for example. Right. It's got to be something that's a society level, you know, people, anyone can relate to, not just business owners that anyone can relate to, unless it's like a breakthrough business idea where it's like a new twist on some existing, you know, thing that happened, you know. So have a think about that. If you are just starting out with speaking, my advice is don't get so focused on getting paid to speak because that's not the only way that you can earn money from speaking. There are so many ways that you can earn money from speaking and it doesn't have to be the gig itself. Yes, that's great. And I've had, I've given lots of speaking gigs. I've had lots of speaking gigs where I've actually been paid quite well for that. But it's, you've got to think bigger. You've got to think wider than that. It's like, what's the opportunity that it's going to give you? And particularly if you're just starting out, do as many as possible, particularly if you're scared. And you can start small. 
I don't know if you have Meetup in the US. Do you have Meetup as a website? We do, yeah. Yeah, okay. So that is a great place to start. You know, go look at your local Meetup groups, find out what's going on, go and speak at those, go and stand up and introduce yourself. Do as many as possible. If you want to get into like local speaking gigs, look on Eventbrite. You can find out what all the local events that are going on, or you can find out the events that are going on in particular cities and towns. And they might be smaller events and you can really get in touch with the organizers. Don't ask them, are you looking for speakers? Yeah. Don't say that. Tell them why you think that you're the best person to speak at their event and what you want to speak about. So mm. it does involve doing a little bit of research. But having been a curator now and someone that books speakers, I was inundated with emails at my conference from people saying, are you still looking for speakers? And that was it. That's all they said. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not going to even consider somebody, you know, that, that is going to say that because there was too many other people to choose from. So be clear, you know, be clear. Why do you want to speak at that event and, and what do you want to speak about? And honestly, the fear, getting over the fear, just just do it. Yeah. Just do it. Start small, start standing up on, in a room on your own and saying it out loud, you know, rather than just writing it down because it's a different part of our brain. So just start speaking, start saying it. And if you are an entrepreneur, maybe try a Facebook Live, maybe try doing a bit of video and sharing that because it's a really, really great way to kind of get more confident with it. Right, yeah. I mean, like going back to starving your fears, that fear is essentially the the perceived lack of control, right? And so until you start getting practice and getting experience, doing that thing, if it's public speaking, as you practice it and do more, you're going to build confidence that you can do it, that bad things are not going to happen. And you know you build that experience, which builds confidence, which removes that fear or lack of control. And then you're, you're not as afraid to do it anymore. It doesn't mean you're not going to be nervous. You know, I still get nervous every time I get up in front of a room or I do a Facebook Live. And I'm sure you do as well, right? And we both do a lot of those. But uh, I'm not as afraid to do it as I used to be because I keep building up that experience. And I've seen since we met that you do a lot of Facebook Lives as well, which is like a whole nother animal, right? Than, than getting up in front of a room of people, right? You don't even kind of know who's out there watching and you know what they could be saying. And I've done a bunch of those as well and certainly still get nervous, but it's really not a big deal. Just put yourself out there. Like People want to hear what you have to say. And if they don't, then they'll move on. <laughs> exactly. I think for me, that was, a, that was a big hurdle to overcome. It was a big mindset hurdle to overcome what other people thinking. But the thing that I tell my clients all the time now when they they come to me, and every client comes to me with that challenge, is that your message or your story is bigger than you. Mm. It's so much bigger than you. And so you need to move yourself out of the way of your message or your story, whatever it is that that you want to share through speaking and share it. Because I gave a talk this year at my conference and, and the message was, it's not about you, but it's all about you. So, you know, it's not about you. It's about everybody that you want to help. It's about all those people that need your help, that need to be inspired or motivated or educated by you for what you have to say and what you have to share. But it's all about you because you are the one to deliver that message in a really unique way that's only unique to you with your stories and your perspectives and your strengths and your personality. So, yeah, that's kind of um, whenever I get that challenge now, I, I, I say that. So for people that want to be seen as more of an expert in their space, the key is get yourself out there more, right? Find that speaking opportunity, 
uh, or make those videos, whatever it is, and start getting practice? Is there anything else that people should be thinking about in terms of how do I become more of an expert in whatever space I'm in? Mm. Do what you know. Um, I know that sounds really, really obvious, but Mm. a lot of people I see trying to do things they think people need rather than what they are really good at and what their expertise is based on. To make that unique, share your stories, share your opinions, share your views. I uh, coach people on what I call 360 leadership, which is basically, you know, showing up as a 360. So people see you as you, and that's what makes you stand out. That's what makes you credible. That's what makes you an expert. There are lots of people within the industry I'm in now copying other people because they think that's how they should be. Whereas just don't go out, go deeper, focus on you and what you bring to the table. Yeah, You talked about going deeper and really understanding yourself and focusing on you and sharing your story. And uh, when we were at the Youpreneur Summit, we heard a couple of great speakers that shared some a, a similar sentiment. And one thing I love to talk about on this podcast is vulnerability. And I think that that is, even though sometimes we know intrinsically it's the way to bond ourselves with other people, it's probably also the thing that people fear the most is putting their story out there and being judged or rejected in front of other people for that story. When you get into building the the brand and speaking and sharing your story, how does the vulnerability piece play in? This is something that um, I kind of, again, I kind of stumbled across and realized that the people within, in my following really respected me for being vulnerable and being honest and authentic because again a lot of people aren't and whether that's because they feel they have to put on a front to you know I earn this much money and I've earned this however much this month and it's all great and this is my highlight reel whereas actually you know I just want to be really honest and say it's not all like that and we need to be honest because building a business is hard and so the 360 is showing the light and the shade it's showing the fact that actually it's not a highlight reel and the highlight reel isn't true. There are so many things going on behind the scenes for all of us. And it's really important if you are standing out as a leader in what you do, whatever that is, whether you know that be online or offline or whatever it is, if you are in a leadership role, when you have people following you, then you do have a responsibility to being honest and just saying, you know, sometimes life is hard. Things are hard. Sometimes we either win or we learn. And there are lots of lessons And when I started to do that, and I don't do it all the time, but I do it when I really feel I've got a lesson to share from my own experiences. I've had, you know, the the response um, has been amazing, incredible. And it's not, I'm not doing it to feel good myself. I'm doing it to help other people. And I think it's, you know, the work of Brene Brown to be vulnerable is to be courageous. It's to saying, you know, I have imperfections, but that's okay. And I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to give this a go anyway. And that's what life is all about. And the corporate, coming out of corporate, I had the big corporate veil, I had the big corporate wall up, the professional wall. And, and I soon realized that actually, you know, that's, I just want to be me. I need to be me. Yep. And, you know, I help lots of other people kind of break down that corporate wall as well. Yeah, I love that. Um, because, and we both spend a lot of time in the corporate world and see how people tend to put up those walls or that those barriers. They're really afraid of letting people in and being themselves and being vulnerable in front of others. And uh, you know, holds them back in some ways. And they're maybe not as successful. They might be successful on the corporate side. That actually that reminds me of a question that I wanted to ask. I like to ask from time, which is 
what do most people get wrong about life or success? I think success is probably an easier one to answer. What I see is people measuring success based on other people's standards, yeah. other people's measures. Right. Whereas actually success has to be your own measurement. It has to be what is success looks like to you because otherwise we will always be chasing success. We will never feel like we achieve it. It can mean so many things to so many different people. If we're always striving for something else, the next level, the next thing, we'll never feel successful mm. and we'll never feel, we'll never feel like satisfied. And look at all the things we've achieved. Look back and reflect on all of the things that we've achieved. And I don't think we do that enough. Yeah, I agree. And, and really think about defining our own success or what does success mean to us and not worrying about how other people define success or having to have more or better you know, things than someone else because we're all living our own life. We all have different families, journeys, levels, you know, different definitions of success. I love that. Helen, what's a book that you has made a big impact on your life or that you often recommend to others? Because I know I've been speaking to you recently about um, a few books. And the first business-focused book that I picked up, um, I read quite a few sort of more, much more personal development ones on my journey. But the first one that really kind of hit me was The Big Leap mm. by Gay Hendricks. Gay Hendricks, yeah. And I remember the first time I read that, it was like, ah. And then I literally read it again and again and again and again. And now I'm reading The Joy of genius. I'm listening to The Joy of Genius. I'm just about to finish that. And I know that I'm going to go straight back to the beginning again once I finish that and listen to it again and again and again. Think and Grow Rich was another one that really made an impact on me. But I say The Big Leap is just such a good book on so many levels from a personal perspective, but also thinking about your career and your business as well. And how you're sabotaging yourself or how you, you often do, right? I, yeah, the big leap definitely made an impact on me as well. And I had Gay Hendricks on my podcast after I read that because I, I think he was the first time I, you know, I read a book and I reached out to the author and I was like, I got to have this guy on the podcast. And we had such a great interview. And then, of course, his new book you mentioned, The Joy of Genius, which I just finished reading and just had That's a chance funny. to interview him a few days ago uh, about that book. And just an incredible book, very short and very impactful. Um, one I definitely uh, highly recommend to others. Hello, we got to wrap things up here. I'll give you the last word for people that are thinking about, you know, building more of a personal brand, getting out there more, speaking more. What's one more piece of advice that you give to people that is important for them to keep in mind? It all starts with your story and getting clear on the story. And this is the core story. It's not your life story. It's not the whole, you know, I was born and then all of this happened and here I am. It's the core story that includes the key things that are essential for the people that you want to hear that story to know. Getting clear on that gets you clarity in so many areas um, of your business, of your life, um, with your confidence. And I highly recommend if you haven't taken the time to do that, map that out. However, that works for you on a piece of flip chart paper with pictures or write it out or just say it out loud. But get clear on that because that forms the basis of pretty much everything you do, including a talk. Yeah, I think when you and I met uh, in one of our conversations at the Upreneur Summit, I mentioned that I might want to get on uh, the TED stage at some point. Of course, you encouraged me 
And I think you gave me that same advice. And okay. uh, on my flight home from London, I wrote out my story, in the notebook, because you recommended that. And I'm really grateful that you gave me that advice. And I took that time to write that out. And I think it's going to help me as I go out and tell my story more and, and maybe get on that TED stage one day, uh, awesome. possibly with your help. Yay. Awesome. It's going to happen. Going on the goals for 2019. Um, Helen, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and share your story, as well as your wisdom and your advice on my podcast. So thank you again for coming on. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. 